What is up? What is good? How you living? How you feeling? It is the LEFKOE Man. Week three is in the books. And I have David Inver, and I have the greatest running back in the history of the Philadelphia to console, but to also figure out what the hell is going on in the NFL. Uh, Ingber, me and uh, Westbrook were on a video game show on Friday night, right, Westbrook? No, it was a great show, man. Exciting stuff. Video games. No, be yeah. honest. Be honest. All right. They I don't play. I don't play video, video games. I mean, that's the thing. They asked me to be on the show, and they were like, "Talk about the games that you play." And I'm like, "Well, I don't play damn video games." So I mean, yeah, we. There this was a- man has horses, and they're like. What do you think about this Street Fighter character? What position would they play? And Westbrook texts me and he goes, I have no idea who that is. <laughs> I don't know these people. I, I don't know any of these people in this Street Fighter You knew Fighter Sonic. I, I, I know Sonic and I knew the other guy, Yoshi. Other than those two guys, <laughs> that's all I knew. Did you ever? All the other people. Did you ever have some sort of video game phase? Was there ever like a favorite at any point in your life? Yeah. I played Madden for a Scorpion. You didn't know who Scorpion was from Mortal Kombat? No, never played Mortal Kombat before in my life. Okay, never. they wrote they wrote Link like Zelda. Well, see, this is the thing, Adam. You, what, how old are you? 29, 30 years old. <laughs> Thirty four. I'm, I'm forty one years old. I I was I grew up in the phase where go outside. That's your video game. Go outside oh, and, and have get fun. Get off of my lawn. You Believe get that. off of my lawn, piece of shit. We had to go outside and find fun. We fine. had to create our own fine. fun. I did not, okay, listen, you're telling me though that as somebody who was thriving in the 90s, when the movie Mortal Kombat came out, boom, boom, with the song, get over here. You didn't know Scorpion, even if you didn't play. That was a cultural thing, Mortal Kombat. Well, here's there the thing. combat with a K. Here's the thing about me. I'm not into the sci-fi type of stuff, Mortal Kombat. So then Kombat maybe you're the weird one that didn't know who Scorpion was. Maybe We're I not am. these like maybe inside nerds. You're the weird one. You're always going to be the weird one well, yeah, when it we comes between you and that. me and you. It's all, you're always going to be the weird one. <laughs> Damn. I'll win this battle one time, Amber. How, are you, how was your weekend? <laughs> My weekend was filled with watching football and moving into the new house. We are, I'd say, somewhere between 70 and 80% moved in now. Man, it's that last 20% that'll get you. Oh, yeah. What's the rule that it takes 20% of the time to do 80% of the work and then vice versa? Yeah. It takes 80% of the time to do the last mm. 20%. That's so true about moving in. Well, you, you know, know the what? one thing about moving from like an apartment to a, a different place or whatever, it'll never be as uncluttered as it is right now. What happens <laughs> right. with, with me, I, I lived in an apartment, then I moved into a house. In an apartment, I had minimal stuff. And then in the no house, doubt. a year later, you're like, what, just where is all this crap comes from? Enjoy mm. the, the cleanliness and the uncluttered-ness as much as you can right now, brother. And what's funny is, is that feeling of minimizing everything and focusing on one thing is such a great way to succeed. And that's what I feel like Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks are doing this season. Mm. Excuse me. That was what we like to call a segue. Man. I like that. Okay. I like that. Damn, that just, ah. Oh. Okay. Ingber. To the news station we go in a new segment called Ingber Reads, What People Are Talking About, and me and Westbrook decide if they're crazy or not. What are they saying about Russell Wilson? Well, he's the first person with 14 touchdowns through three weeks. Andrew Siciliano wrote on Twitter, Russell Wilson is the first QB in 101-year history of the NFL with four-plus TD passes in each of his first three games. And let's compare that to some of the top 
three-week performances. Patrick Mahomes in 2018, he had 13. Peyton Manning in 12 with 12 touchdown passes in 2013. And Tom Brady with 11 touchdown passes through three weeks in 2011. So Russell Wilson has passed all those. I would say that Mahomes, Manning, and Brady season, those are all pretty iconic Passing season. What, what is Wilson at right now? What Fourteen number? through three weeks. Never been done before. Oh, you mean you mean it should have been fifteen if DK Metcalf didn't Ooh, get caught from exactly. behind? Pulled a Deshaun. That's Jackson. how crazy. See, yeah, little little, little Don Beebe reverse mm-hmm, action mm-hmm. there. But it's uh to me, man, that Seahawks offense is special, Westbrook. Like, you hold on a second. Okay, before you descent, let me say why they're great All because right, we need to start yeah, off with yeah. some brains here. One, I thought it was hilarious that the last few years, have there ever been more defined teams in one-score games than Dallas and Seattle? Yeah. Seattle, the la- last year in one-score games, 10-2, and two, Dallas 1-6, and six, and it showed that itself like perfectly on Sunday. I had zero doubts that Russell Wilson was throwing that touchdown to DK Metcalf in the end, and I had zero doubts that Dak Prescott was going to spin around and throw it from a 50. Um I think that both of the teams' defense is a liability, but I don't think people realize where Russell Wilson is all time already. This man is on pace to throw, and albeit it could be crazy, for 4,900 yards this year. That's just the pace that he's on. I just, that's the trend. If he throws for 4,000, Russell Wilson passes Troy Aikman, Steve Young, and Kurt Warner. And when I think of Russell Wilson and where he is right now, those are big names. I just think that's important. Um, Do you know how many quarterbacks in the history of the NFL have over 200 touchdowns and less than 70 interceptions? Mm. One, and that is Russell Wilson. He is the only one. So what we're seeing these deep balls, these deep throws, these 50-plus touchdowns, this incredible touchdown-to-interception ratio, we've never seen it before, ever, yeah. other than Aaron Rodgers. But I don't know. I, I think it's special, Westbrook. Why do you think it's well, not? I, I'm not saying that it's special. It's not special. I, I realize that Russell Wilson has had 33 game-winning drives since 2012. I, I understand his greatness. I understand it completely. There was times in that game where I'm like, you know, Russ isn't looking the same. I mean, he was missing some wide-open guys, some bad throws here mm-hmm. and there. And, and, and good quarterbacks have that, too. His ability to forget about everything that happened in the last three-and-a-half quarters as Dallas just came storming back. They, they were down 30 to 15. They ended up winning, I mean, scoring 16 in a row and then finding a way to take the lead 31-30 at some point. His ability to forget about all of that and then find a strike down the field to a wide-open DK Metcalf. I mean, I think that's amazing. I also think, I mean, you just have to be honest. What is the Dallas defense doing? At what point do you say, we're going in to play Seattle? All the highlights, all you have to do, you don't have to watch all the film. All you have to do is watch the highlights of Russell Wilson and say, if we we stop the deep ball, then we can at least keep the game competitive. To me, Dallas' issue is not scheme. Dallas doesn't have bad coaching. They do not have the personnel right now. They lost Byron Jones. Yeah, They lost Byron Jones. They were down Anthony Brown. They had Shadobia Wuzi was out too. Their number one corner was Trevon Diggs, a rookie, who, yeah, he got the play on on DK Metcalf, but he also got burned by DK Metcalf. He's going to be better in a couple Uh, years. The safeties there aren't great. And to be honest, they're not getting that big of a pass rush on, on Dallas. Now, I... Alden Smith was great, great but I think Dallas has issues. I also think 
it's kind of wild that if if Dallas doesn't get that onside kick against the Falcons, they're zero and three. Yeah. Yeah. That's how far like that's how close this is. Yeah. That they're 0 and 3. If DK Metcalf scores, Seattle might be blowing them out. That's a that's a double digit win. Yeah. So uh the NFC East is trash. Trash. And we're gonna get to that later. Alden Smith had a great game. I mean, he played well three and a half quarters. He ran out of steam. I mean, that training camp missing time as far as training camp things like that, you can tell. Isn't that incredible though? Alden Smith, like we you need to celebrate the bounce back. That I don't know the demons that he had in his life, but if he is allowed back and doing this, I'm sure his story is incredible to tell. It also makes me think of the fact that I read a, an article over the weekend that Seattle is still hoping Josh Gordon gets cleared soon. Wow. Wow. And so I'm, I'm saying that if I look at the Seahawks and let's say Josh Gordon does get cleared with what we're seeing out of DK looking like Terrell Owens right now mm-hmm. and the connection with Tyler Lockett is still laser beam central, I think, it's, I think it's incredible that Russell Wilson's attack could get better. I will also bring this up. What I'm seeing right now is offense unlike anything I've ever seen. And we are recording this Monday. This is before Chiefs-Ravens. And that's what's so funny is that the NFL happened in week three and we're like, ooh, look at the Bills. Ooh, look at the Seahawks. Ooh, look at the Packers. And I want to go, the big boys are playing on Monday night. <laughs> like all those teams were great. Right. The big boys are playing on Monday night. But also, they're not calling as many penalties. Penalties are at a record low right now. And I'm just seeing overs get hit everywhere. Like, that's the advantage of being a gambler is I'm like, over, 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 over. It's incredible to watch. And it made me think back to the lockout in 2011. The lockout in 2011, it started in March, mm-hmm. just like COVID-19. There were debates that were cutoff times and all that stuff. And I believe it was in July, the end of July, super similar. Both years, they canceled the Hall of Fame game and there really wasn't training kit. In that year... Drew Brees, Tom Brady, and Matt Stafford all threw for over 5,000 yards, and it was all the most in each of their careers. Eli Manning threw for over 4,900 yards, Mm -hmm. the most in his career. Aaron Rodgers, over 4,600, the most in his career. Josh Freeman threw for 3,500. Michael Vick threw for 3,300. And Tavares Jackson threw for over 3,000 yards. I am watching... Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers have career years. Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, they're all doing it. Uh, Josh Allen. To me, this reminds me a lot of 2011, and I think it's going to take a while for these defenses to catch up if they ever do. That's crazy. And I think that this is going to continue. Well, you know what's crazy about that? Because during camp, everybody was like, defenses are usually and this has just been my experience defenses are usually the first thing that you get going just go hit somebody in the mouth you throw a couple blitzes in there you play you play cornerback you play man to man it usually takes the offenses time to catch up but now what you're saying and I think you're absolutely right I mean teams are putting up yardage and points like they never have it's amazing to see I also think the refs have swallowed their whistle just a little bit big time on a lot of different things. And, and it happens almost in every single game at critical situations where you can say, you know what? One view you're saying it's a penalty, PI, offensively mm. or defensively. And the same thing you're saying on the other side. So I think things will change. I, I personally feel that defenses will catch up 
a lot sooner than you think. I think not having the tape on this particular offense during training camp has slowed no some doubt. defensive coordinators down just a bit. And as soon as they get enough tape, they get enough of, of a, a knowledge base around these quarterbacks and teams, I think the defenses will pick up after the first quarters of the games. They have no preseason tape to look at tendencies, formations, mm -hmm. uh, who, pe who teams are targeting. You can learn a lot. Oh, they're not playing that guy a lot? Okay, then let's game plan for him a little bit more. We're not getting uh, any video from practices. Nope. There was no inter-squad scrimmages to like even learn anything. Uh, communication was kept at a minimum. And, so, and I think that lack of familiarity is a huge part of it. But I also think that, you know, we talk about offenses getting up to speed. You got to get up to speed for contact, you know, like, like really putting it in there. Yeah. But well, well, just think about all the injuries that the Seahawks have. I mean, a lot, some of those oh. injuries are just straight, you know, you need to have that hard shell on your body from playing football. And some of these other injuries. Bro, look at the Eagles, bro. Well, the Eagles. I, they're dead. Yeah, they're, they're, in, they're, in trouble. Right, they're in trouble. Can we get into that? Let's get into that because it was also, it was also the Joe Burrow coming out party to me. And I, I kind of want to hit that maybe before the Eagles. He's but had several Ingram, parties. He's had he's one of the he's partying all yeah. all season long so far. He's played well. Well, hold on, Engber. Actually, I'll let you decide. Do we go more Josh Allen and the Falcons collapse, or do we get right into the Eagles now? You are the guy. You are. Our I want to talk about the exciting guys first, and then we'll get a little bummer later. Okay, in the podcast. deal, deal, deal. But deal. before we move yeah, on, because it'll be it'll be a down. Before we move off from Russell Wilson, I just had a thought, and I want to hear your thoughts on it. Is possible that Russell Wilson is the greatest Seattle athlete of all time? I'm putting him up there with like Ichiro, Ken Griffey Jr., Gary Payton. Like who else is there that's on par with an MVP possibly, a Super Bowl MVP? Uh, he, and when he puts the numbers, if, if he's, you know, top five in a lot of categories when he retires, is he the number one Seattle athlete of all time? Randy Johnson, Ken Griffey. I mean, these are baseball guys. Ken Griffey wow. Jr. Junior. It's so hard to compare eras, compare sports, yeah. whatever. But like Russell Wilson's got to wow. be in the mix, right? Top three, top four. Who was it? Was it? Was it Steve Larson played for the? Uh, he for did. Seattle. Yeah. Hold on. So I'm going to do this. Are you ready? I'm going to try and go for a really good clip. <laughs> okay. Okay. So I'm, I'm calling my shot. Russell Wilson is the greatest Seattle athlete that has ever lived. He had the exciting start of Sean Kemp, but it didn't go away. He had the longevity of Ichiro Suzuki, but he won. He was Ken Griffey Jr. and he never left. Russell Wilson is the greatest athlete in Seattle history, and it's not even halfway done. <laughs> oh, wow, that was poetry. <sighs> could have been Kevin but, Durant. But, but, but seriously, I, but like, oh, it could have. Yeah, Kevin Durant, but the team never left. Hey, no, Ooh, no, that would have been no, good. No. But you no, know, but that's how good Russell Wilson is. Great call, Ingber. He, he's he's been, the best athlete in the history of Seattle. He really been, is. He's been great. Before we live off this, but game, he's less loved than Marshawn. You, you know why he's less loved? Because he. But, wears, hold on, no, no, no. But everybody loves Russell Wilson. I'm not playing they, this game with Russell know, Wilson they anymore. They love him. But they would love him more if he didn't wear stuff like that scarf that he had on in his pro. No, nope. and see, I knew it. Stop I, coming at I, Russell I Wilson like the for the fact that he's a little bit corny. I am telling you right now that corny people win championships. Brady's a little bit corny. Jordan's. <laughs> oh, I'm, Peyton, I'm, Peyton Manning oh, is corny. Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning is how Russell Wilson is driven by an inner spirit for success. And you know what? 
JJ Watt. I don't care. Those guys are different people. Yeah. They're different. And I think that they should be championed and not called weird scarf wearing. But, I think yeah. Russell Wilson looks cool as hell. A little weird fashion advice in my, in my opinion, but I'm also, a I also wear, I also guy. wear weird sweaters. That's so Russell too. Wilson is in my style. Demo. Did, let me ask you this. Did you see the play right at the end? Chris Carson got hurt. And as a running back, I'm over here scrunching my face up. I'm going crazy because I've been that guy. I've been the guy that got rolled up in the pile. Alligator roll? In my knees. I mean, your body's just not meant to be that way, right? And so... So what's happening? So your body's still, but your legs are twisting? That's exactly what's happening. And so, and your joints just can't move that way. So your body is still... Which joints? Your knee, your, your knee, hip, your ankle? All of them. All of them. They're, I mean, the idea of the whole alligator roll is to put so much force... Wow, you can like pop somebody's hip. There's out. no doubt about it. No doubt. About it. I mean, this is that's why he, the kid's going to get fined. He should have got a flag on the play. You can end someone's career. And in the idea of football, we want to hit somebody in the mouth. We want to hit them as yeah. hard as we can, but we don't want to hurt them. We don't want to put you. I don't want to put you in the hospital. I want you to feel the pain. I don't want to. That's hurt. how I thought about the Malik Jackson hit on Joe Burrow. Oh yeah. Where I was like, you know what? That was clean. It was shoulder to shoulder, and I know it's 15 yards because he's a quarterback. But That's that football. was a, hey, welcome to the NFL, Rook. And I thought it was clean, but it's a quarterback. Yeah, yeah. But I also was like, I liked it. I'm just going to be honest. I liked it, too. I mean, I like it when it's our guy <laughs> hitting the opposing quarterback. If they're starting. Yeah, and, and Joe Burrow bounced back like a champ. Like a champ. Yeah. That kid is sick, bro. He's serious. He is sick. You know, they got Wait some serious talent line? on that team, too, though. I mean, they have some talent as far as a receiver. T. Higgins. T. Higgins is going to be a player. After Jaylen. A.J. Green. Right, get us out of Eagles. Get us out of the Eagles, Ingber. Save us. Save All right, us. so let's talk about another quarterback who might have an insane MVP run of his own. If the Bills can keep this Ooh. up, Josh Allen has passed for over 1,000 yards through three games, 10 passing touchdowns, two more on the ground, only one interception. The Bills are undefeated. They showed that you don't have to relinquish a 28-3 lead. You can actually win it in the end. Josh Allen is the first QB. This is from Pro Football Reference on Twitter. Josh Allen is the first QB since Johnny Unitas to have four plus passing touchdowns and a fourth quarter comeback in back-to-back games. Josh Allen, oh my God. Is he the biggest big play player in the NFL right now? No, he's not the biggest big play player, but he has he has played exceptionally well. I mean, he, he continues to score, but I, this is the thing about that offense because without, I, without big, I think he is. I think he is because of this, and I'm going to let you go. Well, he's not. You're thinking, you're thinking of big. If I'm looking at, at a football field like this, mm-hmm. and we put him at the 50, and when you say, let's put Mahomes there, Lamar there, Kyler there, Aaron Rodgers there, Russell Wilson there, how, what is an average play? And you're like, man, I, probably like 25 yards, mm-hmm. mostly in the positive direction. Yeah. Josh Allen might give you 25 yards in this direction and 25 yards in this direction going backwards. <laughs> mm-hmm. Josh Allen touches the ball, and I feel like it's going to be either like the greatest play ever for the Bills or the worst play ever for the Bills. That's the problem. Like I, I've never seen, of course, but I've never seen someone have such an impact on a football game. Well, he can, do, you know, he like can do everything. I mean, that's why. And really, you're, you're almost seeing it a little bit with Cam in New England, his impact on the game, him getting the ball to other people. But when well, you Josh have, Allen's like young Cam, that's the point. He really is. When you, it's just it's not. No one ends up in more third and twenty sevens than Josh Allen. Well, that's the thing. And Cam Newton was like that, too. Cam Newton was like running over. It was crazy. (laughs) He converted a third and 22 with three minutes left. That was amazing. I mean, his ability to make people miss at his size, run through people. And then, you know, when you add digs on that football team, 
it has a different mm-hmm. dimension. Now you have to be worried about What is about the, the dimension? Path. Everyone says that. What is the dimension? Well, this is what it is. It says, you know what? I don't have to – if you don't have digs on that team, you don't have to double anybody. You don't have to be concerned, as concerned with the passing threat. You're saying, you know what? Josh Allen and Singletary, I have to go stop those guys running the football. That's what I have yes. to do. You bring digs out there, now you have a credible number one receiver that can beat you deep. That means the safety has to start, instead of being at 10, has to start at 12. Instead of being inside by the hashes, he got to take a I couple steps out. I also feel like out. his route running right now. Oh, yeah, he's, he's is... just been great. And pinpoint passing, too. I mean, it, it just changes the dynamic of the team. And now you have to play man-to-man. What happens when you play man-to-man? All the defenders' backs are turned. Josh Allen gets a chance to run the ball even more. I mean, they, they've just been explosively, explosive offensively. I was looking at their next four games, Raiders, Titans, Chiefs, and Jets. I mean – it's up and down. Yeah, that, I mean, that, that Chiefs game will be enormous. I mean, it depends on what happens on Monday night. Um, I think the next three games. Whoever wins Monday night is the favorite to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. And so if it's the, if it's the Chiefs, because whoever wins has the edge in the one seat uh, and there's one bye, and that is insanely enormous. But in terms of the Bills, Ingber, you know, you're someone that you think about life a little bit in terms of bets and you're good at managing risk. Josh Allen could get you to the highest highs, but the floor is so low for like what could happen to the, like the up and back is crazy as, as somebody that's been a Patriots fan that is so been so consistent on a line. Where do you, where do you stand with Josh Allen in terms of the risk? My feeling is that you remember titles. You don't remember flameouts in the second and third round of the playoffs. And if Josh Allen can get you to the highest of the high points, that's hoisting the Lombardi trophy. I want that guy over uh, someone that can get you nine to 10 wins every year, but you know, you're not actually going somewhere with him. Tarod Taylor gets you to the playoffs. Congratulations. I'd rather have Josh Allen any day of the week. Do do you feel that Josh Allen right now can get you to yeah, two games in the playoffs, two wins. Yes. Can you can you get you to the AFC you know title this? game? Hey, Blake Bortles got to the AFC yeah. championship game. So did Case Keenum and Nick Foles won a Super Bowl. I mean, all we're saying is like I'm, to get to win a Super Bowl, you have to do with the Nick Foles, which is get hot for like four or five weeks. You're telling me this version hot. of Josh Allen can't get supernova hot for six weeks in a row and supernova yeah. hot. Cam Newton, fifteen and one, went to the Super Bowl. It felt like this, where the defense it, and you know what? It's Sean McDermott. Who knows it better than Sean McDermott with the Carolina Panthers built by the assistant GM of the Carolina Panthers at that time, who is now in Buffalo, Brandon Bean. They have built a team where, I said this on the Thursday pod, their tackles have not missed a game. Now, Deion Dawkins got hurt in this game, and I hope he's okay. They've had a consistent play at center, and they've had four guys rotating in at guard. Do you know how amazing that would be as an Eagles fan to have that kind of depth? Look, they lose Zach Moss and Devin Singletary comes in and he's incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, their wide receivers are getting open. They're all gamers. They didn't even have Dawson Knox yesterday, their tight end. But, man, and the Rams, though. Sean McVay went into halftime down 28-3 to yeah. and said, hey, you've heard that number before. Let's do it ourselves. Sean McVay came out at halftime, and I felt like he made the field wider. Like, I'm looking at him like Robert Woods, and then Tyler Higby, and then Daryl Henderson. And Buffalo was just sitting there. There was a questionable pick, but I also left that game going, Jared Goff and, and, and Sean McVay are for real. 
I think that I think that the Rams are very much for real. They have an offense, and just scheme wise, we talked about Sean McVay a couple years ago. I felt like last year he took a step back, but the year before, you're talking scheme wise, him, Kyle Shanahan, you know, a couple other guys, obviously Andy. They have the ability to scheme guys, I mean, wide open. And that's the same thing. I mean, you, you watch this. Cooper Cup is just running free in this slot, just running free. Scott Free Woods, running free. These guys are catching the ball, and they have Walking another 10 yards. End. Yeah, 10 yards before yeah. anyone's touching them. Um, but Goff still hit some tough throws, and I have been very critical of Goff. And yeah. I would like to say that he has officially become like a top 12 quarterback in the NFL. You know like what I think with Goff? And this is his fifth year. Him and Carson are the same year. Yeah, he. I felt like you moved some pieces around offensively. Obviously, you got rid of um, Todd Gurley, and he was a big time piece of that offense. I think you just gave him a different level of responsibility, and it probably started last year. And he wasn't ready for that level of responsibility. And this year, obviously, throughout the off season, he's prepared for it, and now he's ready to be the leader on that football team. He's ready to be the guy that we all in Philadelphia wish that Carson Wentz is that has control of the game. That's what. That's, that's the, the storyline. That's the storyline. The storyline is, is that Jared Goff went across the country in back-to-back weeks in one o'clock East Coast games mm-hmm. to Philadelphia and torched them, and then to Sean McDermott, and like in the second half, looked incredible. He was poised. He made tough throws. He's not afraid of contact. Jared Goff has shown growth. Yep. And then when you see... Carson Wentz against the Cincinnati Bengals continuing to play like a running back that occasionally can make throws. That dichotomy shows you why Jared Goff right now is playing phenomenal. It, it, it makes me sick as an Eagles fan to see the growth in Jared Goff and the complete stagnation of Carson Wentz. Like I watched a quarterback run better than he threw, make bad decisions, turn the ball over, look shaky, questionable accuracy. I saw two of them. One of them got pulled for Nick Foles. Mitchell Trubisky and Carson Wentz. I'm not seeing growth. I'm not seeing progression. I'm not seeing accuracy. One of them had Nick Foles as a backup, Mm -hmm. and I wish it was the Eagles, but it was the Bears. And one of those teams won on Sunday after being down a lot. And it was well, the one Bears. of those teams also drafted a quarterback in the second round. And if you had the ability to get a guy like Nick Foles, you have to pay him a bunch of money or Case Keenum or someone that you would have in, as a backup role. Carson may have been on the bench um, in, in, in this part of the game. You also got to think of how these teams drafted just a little bit. When you think of the Rams, I mean, you think of weapons, Woods. Henderson, uh, Malcolm Brown, they, they got some guys, Cooper Cup, they got some guys that can go, go, go make plays for you. When I think of the Eagles, Deshaun Jackson, eh, Deshaun Jackson's okay, but he's older. He was good when Deshaun Jackson was playing when I was playing. You know what I'm saying? Alshon is still hurt. You got uh, all the other guys, Deontay Burnett. I mean, all these other guys are just guys. They don't, they don't have the same type of moxie, the same type of go get them as these guys on the Rams. Ingber, I feel like we need to do Eagles. Though. Not even close. I feel like we have to. We're just bringing it back. We're just bringing it back. I, I We're just hurt. Say, We're hurt. Sunday was the worst day as an Eagles fan in a long time. And this includes last year when you a literally threw a funeral for them. This is worse than that. We did have yes, a funeral. That, that, felt, that felt pathetic. That was like, this team stinks. I am personally offended by this Eagles team 
And, and what happened Sunday to me, look, I should have known. Crazy things have happened against the Bengals in the past. Donovan McNabb forgot there was overtime. This was also the game where Zach uh, Ertz didn't want to get in front of Perfect and like mm -hmm. Philadelphia sports media was calling him soft for all those years. And now, big ball Doug, every single move of aggression these past few years, every fourth down on his own zone, every Super Bowl-like decision, when you choose to punt to tie the Bengals, I just feel like that big ball Doug title goes away. It just goes away to me. Yeah. Like you played for a tie. Also, when you factor in that not only did the Eagles play for a tie, our wide receiver Jalen Rager isn't going to be on the field maybe the entire season, and Justin Jefferson goes for 175 receiving yards. Mm -hmm. And in Chicago, in Atlanta, Nick Foles comes in and wins it for the Bears. Yeah. Like it was one of the worst Sundays for an Eagles fan that I can remember. You know, coming into the season, my thought about this team, you had a bunch of old guys, especially on the offensive side of the ball, um, that had to show up and contribute for us to win. Defensively, you had a bunch of guys that still had to figure out their way, especially in Jim Swartz's system. But the thing that you had to hang your hat on was that Carson Wentz was going to carry today, that Carson Wentz was going to have a spectacular – he was going to – and I kept on saying this. Last four games of 2019. He's building, win, 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 he's win. building and he continues yeah. to get better, right? And, and, and I've always thought that in order for the Eagles to win the way that they're built right now, he has to have a Patrick Mahomes type of season where he just carries a team. He plays out of his mind. Carson Wentz 2017 season. What we've seen from him recently has been a quarterback that is has no confidence, has no clue. And, I, and I'll, I'll scream it to my, my – I can't scream anymore. He doesn't know how to read defenses. He has no clue what a defense is giving him. He has literally no Man. clue what they're doing on the other side of the ball. You can see it in his eyes? Like what? Like he's what? guessing. He's guessing. All the talent in the world, and he's guessing. There's other parts mm. of his game where he's just inaccurate. And, and in this league, if you're inaccurate, it's going to be hard to play. If you're an accurate quarterback, you can be short. You don't have to have the strongest arm, Drew Brees. No you can no do doubt. a lot of different things in this league to be successful. If you're not accurate, then at that point, you just can't play here. And unfortunately, that's what we're getting closer to it looking like in Philadelphia. And, and you, you mentioned Doug Peterson. It was fourth and what, five, fourth and seven. And he was going to kick the field goal. They get a penalty, five-yard penalty. 58-yarder. 58 58-yarder. They were going to kick it. Now, Jake Elliott's strong leg, I'm, I'm sure he could have made I've the I've seen 58. him kick 61 against He's the Giants 60, to win it. 61 before. He's literally hit 61-yard game winners. Doug Peterson, after the penalty, he said this morning that he wished that he just went, would have went for it. Fourth and 12, went for it. Because remember on that drive, remember this, Lefko? On that drive, they got two pass interference penalties that allowed them to move the ball down the field even further. I mean, it was a situation where you got to go for it. Here's the question. Who are you going to throw the ball to? Which one of these guys that have no names playing wide receiver are you going to throw the ball to? That's the big concern. Okay. Well, let me say this. I've been preaching these last few weeks not to be a resultist, to not take a result and have it explain something. Mm -hmm. But I will say this. I will look, as Ingber says, I will write the story while the ball is in the air. If he can come out now and say, I wish, in the heat of battle, you chose to lay down your sword and give up. Mm -hmm. I don't know how if I was a player in a pandemic, I, I'd have a hard time wanting to fight for the guy. Because I'd be like, I just went through 60 minutes and you said, nah. Yeah. 
Like, I don't know. Like, I, it, to me, that's tough. To me, that's just tough to take. This is how bad that offense was. Three punts in overtime. Like, three punts, you know, both, both sides of the ball, really. The Bengals as well as the Eagles. Was there a year, Westbrook, where you were on Andy Reid's play sheet, the number one box? Yes. Was there a year where it was like James Thrash, Todd Pinkston, LJ Smith, and you, where like you were the number one option? What year was that? I want to say 06, 07, maybe a year or so after T.O. left. I think he left in 05. What did you do, what did you do in that year? What did you put up? Uh, 17, 1800 yards or so. Monster, yeah. monster. How did they use you? Well, they, they used me in the run game and the pass game. I mean, the, the beauty of having a back like myself, Christian McCaffrey, we saw last night. But, I mean, were you lining at wide receiver? Well, that's were what you I was going to say. Screens? Alvin Kamara is a perfect example. What he was able to do last night is a perfect example. Him lining up on the outside, screens, quick slants, bubble routes, all those things, short digs, those types of things. Get you the ball however you can. But the most important thing, find the weakness in the defense and attack that. That's the thing that yes. I, don't, I don't think Doug is and, doing. And well, that's my issue is I watch the game and there is clearly one player on the Eagles that is better than everybody else. And that is Miles Sanders. Mm -hmm. Miles Sanders is special. And yes, they got him touches. I think he touched it like 22 times, 22, yeah. but there was not one situation where I was like, wow, they got it to him in space. It was either like draw plays up the gut or like, him clearly being covered by a linebacker and like a ball behind him. Yeah. There was no movement. There was no, there was no really elaborate screens. He is their number one option. And I think that they need to use Miles Sanders the way Andy Reid used you in 2006, 2007. Doug Peterson needs to call Andy Reid and go, bro, I need your help when you had thrashing them. But Westbrook, how did you make him the feature guy? It cannot be Ertz. It cannot be. All, Ertz is now your number two. He's your Alshon. It's Sanders. All he has to do is go back and look at the first game of Kansas City. And, of course, you don't have Patrick Mahomes there. And, and even though Patrick Mahomes had a great game in that, that week one game, it was all about oh, You Clyde. mean when they used Clyde Edwards-Hilaire? Yeah, that's, that's what it all was about. Get the ball to your running back in as many different ways as you can. He's your best player. This is what I think Doug is suffering from. He's a quarterback. And when you're a quarterback, you generally think, that quarterbacks have the key to victory in every situation. Yeah. That's why the Patriots are so good. You, you, you know what I'm talking about, David. They, they say, what's the defense's weakness? The, the Bengals were the 30th, in the 30th ranked team in the league, giving up 185 yards on the rush game every single game. Yep. What's that team's weakness? We're going to attack that. That's what we're going to do. We saw it with the Patriots this weekend. Doug Peterson, he, he has one style. He seems to stick with that style over and over and over. And that style back, is man. using his quarterback. His quarterback yeah. to win, and unfortunately, in these types of games, you use one of your best players, your best player, Miles Sanders, to try to win a game, and fortunately, he didn't do that. Stop running seven-step drops with this offensive line. It's the worst offensive line I have ever seen in my time as an Eagles fan. Jason Peters, you are a Hall of Famer, in my opinion. You are amazing, but what I saw out of Sunday, I'm sorry, man. Like that was the worst you've ever looked in your career. Father time, undefeated. And, we know and, that. And, 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 but like, I don't want to disrespect him, but like, that's just to understand like every, like Carl Lawson was in the backfield every play. Oh, yeah. um, I want to say Brandon Graham, Malik Jackson, Fletcher Cox, Darius Slay, mm -hmm. Avante Maddox, Cravon LeBlanc. Mm -hmm. Great game. Not as much, 
Brandon Graham, Darius Slay, yeah, for sure. Like Darius Slay is a baller. He's a baller. But and then the other thing I'd say is is Joe Burrow and that play that Doug Peterson challenged when he was rolling around and scrambling, he has these these like one step juke moves mm-hmm. that really throw off defensive players. His sense of time and space is amazing. That kid is tough as nails, uh, and and he really really can pick apart a defense you, you know what really I, pick apart a defense you know what i like about joe barrel he has that there's this it this there's there's this calm uh, amongst the storm that he has he's just like you know what i'm just going to go out there and make a play that's what i'm going to go do i'm going to make a play i'm going to make it happen he has that it and there's just not a lot of players in the league that have it russell wilson primetime guy same thing patrick mahomes i believe that, that there are it. crossovers in sports like tom brady to me is uh, LeBron. Like, there's just crossovers and all that. I think that Joe Burrow's crossover right now is Tyler Hero. That's who I feel like when I watch them both, really? I go, how are both of those young dudes so damn swaggy and come up big? It's just like that youthful confidence where it's like, oh, you don't think I was supposed to come in and just be great off the bat? Mm-hmm. Sorry, mm-hmm. that's how it is. Like, Burrow and Hero both give me that energy. They have some good weapons. I mean, Tyler Boyd, they, he had a stretch in that game where they it felt like they threw him every yeah. single ball. He, he had a yeah. good game. Slant City. T. Higgins, oh, same Amber, thing. I have two points. One, I've thought about this a lot more than you have. Tom Brady is Tim Duncan, not LeBron. Stayed with the same team for decades, won five or six championships. Wins every, other, wins every year. other year. Is always in the mix. Quiet, calm. Same, same coach it, and player. It. It's it, the, the parallels are great. He's Tim Duncan. Number two. Rotate in your Manus and your Parkers. <laughs> yep. And, uh, and uh, number two, Brian, I can't let you shortchange yourself. 2006, you had over 1,900 yards between receiving and rushing. And in 2007, you had well over 2,000 yards. Couldn't let that conversation continue without that. Worked out well. 2000, Brian Westbrook had over, had over 2,000 yards. And I was an intern at NFL Network in uh, California. And it was so early there that Adam Schefter was still working there. And one of the producers there was Josiah Johnson, who is now very famous on Twitter as King Josiah. He is the meme king. And he said, if you ever have stories, just pitch them to me. And I put together a presentation of why Brian Westbrook is a top three running back in the NFL. (laughs) And And I mainly showed his receiving yards. And I said, I said, look at the way he's being used in the pass game. You guys are only ever comparing rushing yards. And that's, I love that you said that. That 2007 season from Westbrook was crazy. And 4.8 yards a carry and 5.1 yards a carry those two wow. years. So efficient and volume. 5.1. Ew. Hey, you know what's funny? Ew. It's funny that you bring that up. And I'm just thinking about this thing and I'm trying to put it in context of what the Eagles are doing today. Miles Sanders, um, he was averaging for a long stretch there seven yards a carry. I mean, he only ended up with 18 carries, but he could have had it easily. We're talking about a one-score game. He should have easily had 25 carries, as many carries as he possibly could have had. I mean, this is how you get the ball to your best player. If you want to win games, especially, you know, there are times where coaches will say, you know what, I don't want to wear my guy out. I I don't want to give him too much too early in the season because we're going to need him down the stretch. But at this point in the season where it may get late early for the Eagles, you got to yes. win a game. Give the ball to your best player. Allow him to do his thing. Should have continued to feed him. I don't even know who to compare Miles Sanders to. It's, it's very straight line. 
he doesn't he's not big he doesn't make a lot of it's just like man he's got that that extra gear he's fast he showed some speed last year in the miami game as well as the bills game just breakaway speed i mean he has that ability you just hope he doesn't get Do you think the up. Eagles need to find a way to use Jalen Hurts more? I thought Jalen Hurts on the one run, not the fumble exchange, which fucking happens, but the one run to the outside looked like a really special athlete. I, I'm not a big believer in the, the platoon system. Or it's not even that, really. Just I don't, I'm not a big believer. Look, it, it hurt both him. teams yesterday. Yeah. Eagles, Eagles and Jalen Hurts fumbled a snap, killed a drive. Same the Saints. Same Taysom thing. Hill fumbled, yeah. and, it, yeah. and it killed a drive. I'm not a, I believe in having good quarterbacking. And if that may give totally, you a Totally, but we have advantage. Jalen Hurts on our team. Yeah, that's a goal line it? situation. That's a short yard. To me, that's a short mm. yard third down play, not a second down play. I want him to use him that's a great to the point. goal line. The Eagles have been so inept that we haven't gotten to the goal line to see how they would use Jalen Hurts. That's it. I mean, we're three games in the season, and I can't even remember being on a goal line once. Yep, yep, yep. You haven't been able to use Do you think? That's crazy. Okay, moving on. That was a long time. Sorry. Well, if you were sad about the Eagles, let's move on to an even sadder topic, the Atlanta Falcons. Shout out. Oh. (laughs) Shout out to Lefko talk to Arthur Blank, the owner of the Falcons, uh, last week. And we posted that podcast today, meaning Monday. Uh, this, This podcast is coming out on Tuesday. But please check that out because you chatted with him. You asked him a very respectful question about these these tough comeback losses. Uh, and this was just after the Cowboys game. And he was saying he might have to change things up. He's a little superstitious now. Yeah, Westbrook, I asked if he was superstitious. I asked when he goes down and stands on the field, does he stand at the same spot every week? Mm-hmm. Because I would. Like, I am very superstitious. And he was like, no. And he was like, you know. That sounds like a wise guy. Is that what you're saying? To me, to me, you know what he is, Westbrook? To me, he's a guy, if you went into a deli, on a Saturday morning at 9 a.m. And, and there was a guy sitting there drinking coffee and there were no more places to sit. You sat down next to him and you, you guys are talking whatever and he, he just makes you think whatever and he gets up and leaves and you go to pay and it's already paid. Mm-hmm. And they're like, who was? You're like, who was that? And you're like, oh, that's the owner of the Falcons. He just paid for everybody in here. Mm-hmm. That's Arthur Blank. That's the, but that's why I mean you come over and he'd be like, that's a nice shirt. I like your shirt. Like, I don't know. That's Arthur Blank. <laughs> anyway, I, he was like, he was like, I might have to stand in a different spot this week. And then they lose again. How much were they up being What was it, 15? They were the 26 fourth? to 10 with like six minutes left. Yeah. Literally Scott Hansen on the red zone call goes, Falcons, listen, you're up 16 points. There's six minutes left. I know it's crazy, but you got the ball. This one's pretty much over. And then he came back later and was like, oh, man, how are they going to do this again? It, I feel so – I feel bad for Mitchell Trubisky and I feel bad for Atlanta Falcons fans because they are going through some stuff. Well, you, you should feel bad for Dan Quinn. There's no way that he survives this. There, there's just no way that he can I don't feel bad. I don't feel bad for Dan well, Quinn. Well, I mean, you had a defensive coach that continues to give up leads from his de- – his defense just continues to look bad. Second, me third, fourth quarters of game. I mean, just it's hard to believe. If I if I told you that there was a game between a two and O team and an O and two team, mm-hmm. and with at halftime, one of the teams made a desperate decision to go for it all and get, fight back for their season. Which one would it be? It was the team that was two and O this time. 
They benched their quarterback for Nick Foles to come back, and they pulled out all the stops to get the win, mm-hmm. and yet it was the 0-2 team that said, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. Crazy. Again, similar to the Seattle game versus Dallas, you had wide receivers just running scot-free. I mean, it's, it's hard to get open by five or six yards in the NFL. I mean, they had receivers just running. Nick, Nick Foles is doing the old-school backups. Like, he's, he's catching the ball and backing straight up, not at an angle. He's doing the old-school backup and just throwing it up, lobbing it up, and, and receivers under, running underneath it. What defense is that? What defense do you practice that you allow that to happen? I mean, that, that's, that's why Dan It's been this way for Dan five years, Westbrook. It's been this way for five that, years. That's my point. I had somebody DM me and tell me that I had Dan Quinn first to get fired last year, and they started off the year one and seven. Yeah, yeah. And my thing is, is when you, you put this into perspective with Dan Quinn, and uh, again, I've met him. I think he's a great guy. I just think it's tough. I think this is the reality. The fact that the Falcons were the 0-2 team and they were out desperate moved by a 2-0 team in their own house. The fact that on the same day, the Bills allowed a 28-3 lead to evaporate, but they still held on and won the game. Mm-hmm. And the fact that this is happening one week after doing this to Dallas, I think that the true issue is Dan Quinn must give the worst halftime speeches of any coach <laughs> in the history of the NFL. Dan Quinn must be in there at halftime going, now guys, we're up by 16. I want to remind you guys, remember that time you were in the Super Bowl and we were up 28 to three and we blew it? I know I bring it up, but that's, we we can't let that happen again. Mm -hmm. We can't let that happen again. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like Dan Quinn is in there smacking guys on the head and be like, don't blow it, don't blow it, don't blow it. (laughs) Like that halftime must be the weirdest place to be on earth. They could be up a hundred, a hundred. And they're looking at each other going, yo, we blow this one. Right. It's going to be crazy. Like, what is Dan Quinn saying at halftime? That's, I don't know. That's a great question. I, I think you, he has to be reminding the team of how they continue to lose leads just like we have now. We always lose these. Don't worry about it. We, we should win it at one point. Let me ask you this, though, and, and this is a serious question. What type of responsibility does Matt Ryan have? I mean, he's a Hall of Fame quarterback. He has the numbers. What type of responsibility does he I would, have now, in hold winning on, now, hold on. games? No, 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 no. Hold on, hold on. If, if we want to blame players, like Julio didn't play yesterday. Calvin Ridley has looked good all season long. I, I, but like also they were playing Chicago. It's a very good defense. It's Khalil Mack. It's Akeem Hicks. It's Robert Quinn. Decent um, like Decent. this is this is this is a Chicago defense that has shut down like everybody this year. Like we saw Matt Stafford yesterday, and we saw him in Week One mm-hmm. against the Bears. But I'm just saying that you mentioned it, it's the defense, and that's Dan Quinn. And I, I do not believe – now – No, but no, it, it, it time, just time, needs time, a complete your, your culture job, Your job offensively is that every time you get the ball, score. That's your job. Again, Hall of Fame quarterback, very good receiver. In, in There's Ridley. clearly no adjustments Gurley, happening Gurley from had the coaching a good staff. I mean – I know. Look, we can put blame around, but we know where the blame stops. And that's why it's like to get angry at players for inept coaching. It's like, sure. Is there like, is Sam Darnold throwing pick sixes? Yes. 
did the only good offensive lineman, Makai Becton, get hurt in the game and mm -hmm. Adam Gase continues to draw up crazy plays and Sam Darnold has to run for his life? Yes. So to get upset at Sam Darnold when we know the issue is Adam Gase is piling on to a, to a symptom, not a cause. And I would say the same thing with Matt Ryan. To get upset at these players that we see in the first half what they're capable of and realizing that in the second half when all of the coaching schemes evaporate and now it's survive like i i just think it's unfair like you know what it's like to be put in a bad situation well, by a coach well, yeah it's unfair but it was also unfair for the chiefs two years ago not when they won the super bowl but they had a great offense and their defense was trash but they found a way to make it to the AFC championship game what's the deal with atlanta Again, you have one well, of the their best defense is the worst. Like they, they have trash. no starting cornerbacks. The the one that they had that was good, their rookie first round pick that some people thought was overdrafted, AJ Terrell, got COVID the day before the game. Like Atlanta, it, like there's a few things that I want everybody to bet on the rest of the season. Dallas Cowboys overs, Atlanta, whoever's facing their defense. In, in whatever prop bets you want to do and against Dwayne Haskins. If you bet those three things, I guarantee you, you will find dollars in your pocket. Cowboys overs against the Atlanta Falcons props, especially running backs. Oh, my God, everybody gets a catch. And against Dwayne Haskins. No offense, Dwayne Haskins. Like, I bet the Browns minus seven yesterday, and they let it all evaporate, and I went, man, never trust the Browns. And then... Dwayne Haskins. That's how bad Dwayne Haskins is playing that you can win Browns minus seven against him. That's crazy. Do you know who Haskins? First time I've won that in five years. Do you know who Haskins years. is facing next week? Man, I want it to be the Steelers. Baltimore. Ooh. What do you think the line on that game is as of right now? This is before Monday Night Football. 13. Well, because I think the I, the I hate talking about the Monday Night Football game on Tuesday because I'm going to sound like an idiot. I think the Ravens are going to win. Well, I'm just saying, what do you think the line is as of Monday morning? We don't know how the Ravens perform tonight. Where is it's it? in Washington? Oh, it doesn't matter. It's like right down the road right. from each other. I think that's going to be. I think that's going to be Ravens minus. 16 and 13 and a half, and a half right 17. now it's moved from 13 to 13 and a half but still if you're going against if you're going against haskins that is a lot of points yeah it's a lot of points oh my goodness that Ugh. team is just bad and, and they lost chase young uh, they're in trouble I, I will i will say this that i just i i feel i also think it's it's something where you look at how thomas dimitrov built that team and they have been the guy, they have been the team that has traded all of the picks for the players. You know, they traded all the picks for Julio Jones. They, uh, and they have no depth. And they haven't had depth for years. You know, they, they moved up to get these offensive linemen. Some of them get banged up. But, uh, and and I, I really think that they've, they have been able to bounce back since Keanu Neal got hurt. Keanu Neal was a special safety and... They, they're just missing all. They have no. They, they run the Seattle scheme, and they have none of the pieces to run the Seattle yeah, scheme. I, I like the um, – you know, I, I, again, I'm a big fan of running backs. I love the way that Todd Gurley's bounced back a little bit. He had a good game yesterday. What did he end up with, 80 yards, something like that, 14 for 80, something like that? I mean, he, he I thought Daryl Henderson looked great for the Rams. Daryl Henderson did look very good. So, a little yeah, spunk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alvin Kamara, though. He, he's a class of running backs. He, he's my best – he's my number one running back in the league. I, I, I would – I'm splitting it here. Alvin Kamara, Alvin Kamara, or 
Alvin Kamara or Jamal Charles? Ooh. I would go – see, yeah, that's a, they're very, very similar. They're both six yards a touch. Yeah, I, they're, I both, probably, they're both – they're just different. This is recency bias. I probably would go with Kamara. But, I mean, Jamal Charles was nasty too. Kamara or Tyreek Hill? Kamara. I, I think Tyreek Hill is a very good player. I would like to see him do more. Even though he does a lot, I would like to see him do more with his route tree. I, I wanted to run a little bit more routes. Kamara or um... – and these, this is all wow. running back bias that I'm showing here, obviously. Of course, but I'm just talking about well, Christian McCaffrey most dangerous is, which, which weapons. Which one would you have? Christian McCaffrey I'm talking about right now. Well, yeah. I'm just well, talking McCaffrey, about right well, let's, now. Let's talk about No, I don't know because I don't like talking about comparisons when some dude is recovering and not putting well, numbers on the field we knew because he gets McCaffrey inflated. We, we do that. not know. We That's fine. I'm saying in 2020 season, Who's the best weapon available? Available. And I think it might be Alvin Kamara. I would agree. That's not fair to include Saquon when he doesn't have to do anything. And Alvin Kamara's out there tearing up the Packers by himself, taking five-yard losses and a 50-yard touchdown. Yeah, but we're comparing with the guys. We are talking also to a guy in David Ingber who is undefeated largely because of Alvin Kamara. So, David Ingber, what is it like to have Alvin Kamara on your fantasy team? Oh, man, especially when it's in the late game. It is one of the more beautiful things when you're behind by 20 points, then all of a sudden you check your phone. Oh, I'm only behind by six points. Oh, I'm ahead by 11 points. Wait, what just happened? Here's another touchdown? He's, right. What has he done these he's last He's the yak years? machine, by the way. Just like the, the, the king of yak, I would say. Him and DeAndre Hopkins. It is... Is that back-to-back 40 points? He had 41 this week, I think like 37 or 38, depending on PPR stuff last week. And the 37 was what beat you last week. He uh, was like behind by 20 points heading into Monday Night Football, and then Alvin Kamara demolished it. And then Alvin Kamara. I literally wrote in the chat, and I said, does does Ingber beat me in the first quarter because of Kamara? And I think he was down one point. Like that, like Alvin Kamara, who else is up there? In terms of points per week, no one's even close. No, no, but I, not even fantasy. I just mean in terms of like weapons. Like Tyreek is. Oh, up the answer there for is Sony Michelle. Devontae Sony Michelle Adams. is probably the second best back in the league after yesterday. No. <laughs> I just wanted to see what's Rick's face. Eimer, what are they saying about the Pats with the Raiders coming to town and Chase Winovich and the boys just stomping them out? Uh, that, was a, that was a classic. Belichick had a tough loss, so he's going to take it out on his next opponent type of game. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, what did you say they uh, are against the 68 spread? Sixty-eight or seventy percent against the spread over the over Bill Belichick's Patriots. That's tenure. the fourth thing I want to add to uh, to the Lefko show Constitution with Westbrook and Ingber betting rules. The fourth one is anytime the Patriots lose, we're betting them against the spread the next week, blindfolded. I trust Bill Belichick with my life, <laughs> with my life to do like he could shoot an arrow to uh, apple on my head. That's how much I trust Bill Belichick. I got a guy that you should add to that list. You're talking about trusting. You got to trust Josh McDaniels, too. I mean, he's the guy that's putting this whole offense together. Man. And he's made it so simple for Cam. Cam has one read each play. And his ability to be multiple, we talked about earlier, and I think this is like a big-time key to their, their success. We talked about not having film, not having the preseason, teams on okay. the defensive side of the ball, not having the ability – to see what the offense wants to do because there is no preseason and it only being the third week of the season. 
Now, with, with the, the Patriots changing their offense every single week, one week is Cam. Every RPOs. single week. The next week is the three running backs getting it done. The next they week. They become the most unique running team you've seen. And then against Seattle, they air it out. Yep. And, and it's a complete aerial attack. And it's, it's what I wanted to see when the split, split was seeming evident and imminent mm-hmm. between Brady and Belichick. It was, we are going to see Belichick show you what he is capable of. And Tom Brady looks super. Like, Bucks, I, I might have to officially, like, admit that I was wrong about the Saints in week three if I can, like, sell my bet ticket right now and buy a Bucks ticket because mm-hmm. I'm all in on the Bucks. But what I'm seeing out of Belichick is even more. That was impressive. the first thing I said to you. Like, when you asked me, how are you feeling about Cam Newton on the Patriots? The first thing I said was, Josh McDaniels is giddy right now. He's sitting at home right now, taking out old binders of plays that he's had since 2010 that he's been excited to use. And he's finally getting to flip through them and say, what can I do? You know, The Patriots said, oh, uh, Las Vegas Raiders, you're high on your horse because you open your stadium and you shut down Drew Brees. Guess what? We're going to introduce you to a running back that no one's ever heard of <laughs> called J.J. Taylor and still kick yeah. your ass. Still kick your ass. We're even going to throw an interception to my guy, Jonathan Abram, and take it back into our own red zone. Fumbles galore, sack fumbles. Derek Carr went from people going, ha, he is a quarterback to – Ah, there's Derek Carr. Like that. Like Bill Belichick is Ursula from The Little Mermaid. And if you get too close to him, he sucks all of your powers out and sings like a god. He also still has the ability to take away whatever you do good. I mean, Darren Waller, I mean, just, just take him away. Whatever the worst thing you can do is have a big game the game before the Patriots because you will not exist when you play the Patriots. He has that ability. Ingber likes my Ursula reference. We just watched that with my daughter. She watched her first Little Mermaid. We're we're like like just running through the Disney classics right now, and I'm getting to rewatch these movies from my childhood. It's lovely. Did did the funniest thing about me about Little Mermaid was all of the the teenage memes about like them hiding sexual things in Little Mermaid. Oh, okay. You guys don't uh, remember I remember this? there was like, no. you know, if like you look in the background of the animation. Or Lion King, there was sex in the yeah. clouds and blah, blah, blah. But the Little Mermaid, oh man, this is weird. But I'll never forget because I remember being in high school and watching this clip with my friends like a thousand times. <laughs> when uh, the priest is like doing the marriage, he's like, does everybody? And right when he does it, Stuff happens, but yeah, I, Disney, old school Disney, they were creepers, oh, really? bro. I just feel like they were kind of creepers. Yeah, Don't, Bill Belichick, not a creeper, just a winner. Just gets it done. Both of you can't get all quiet and make me feel super awkward about that. <laughs> because that no, was because a thing. Now I know why that you was have a that, thing. that Disney collection at your house now. Now, now it all makes sense. Little Mermaid with a little bit of Cabernet on a Friday night gets the mood set. All I'm saying is the movie's holding. Set. Um, this was just a couple of quotes from some uh, from Eric Ebron and Emmanuel Sanders. It was a tweet that I saw from, shout out to our good friends, mm. BR Gridiron. Eric Ebron wrote, I don't understand how you win MVP and sign for the minimum. Emmanuel Sanders said, I don't think that would happen to too many people. Just wanted to get your thoughts on that. It's like, Cam, we knew in the offseason that he was like such – an unbelievable prize. We see what's happened with Trubisky. He was sitting there for the Bears to pounce on him. The Patriots apparently still like Jared Stidham. And the Patriots said, how can we not sign this I'm guy? Not that ups- I'm not that upset. I mean, Chicago, I think, I get it. 
but I'm excited by what I see from mm-hmm. Nick Foles. And I, I look at Chicago now. I look at 3-0 and Chicago with Nick Foles completely different than I looked at 2-0 and Chicago with um, Mitchell Trubisky. But there are other teams where I go, how did you guys not pull this trigger? The Broncos like, could have picked him up. It's tough, though, because, like, there you're building with Drew Locke. And the Chargers, they were like, we're going with Justin Herbert. Like, it, it depends on what you're trying to accomplish. I'm trying to think of the other teams that have no quarterback play. Well, I'll, I'll like tell Washington. you this. And, 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 I'm and looking, I'm looking. As oh. I thought about Cam this offseason, there, there was just a couple things that jumped out to me. We're talking about an MVP in 2015. We're talking about a guy that – you know, has a skill set. We see what he's able to do, but he's also coming off of uh, surgeries. He's also coming off of bad seasons, but the skill set was still there. In, in my opinion, there was a reluctancy because he was a black quarterback to pick him up. I, mean, I, I just think that that's one of the parts. I think the other part is that there's a reluctancy of trying to change your system to fit what he does well. And there's just not a lot of teams that want to do the RPOs that want to have the quarterback running that way. But Josh McDaniels, Bill Belichick understand how that quarterback running affects the defense. You're seeing it in Buffalo, the quarterback running affects the defense, same thing in Baltimore in a total different way. And they were open-minded enough to say, you know what, we can hurt a defense this way. And we're not trying to plan 10 years behind Cam because he doesn't have 10 years in him to be running the same way that he's doing. But we, if we can win the next couple of years, maybe just one year, then we can find a way to, to, to make things work. And that's what they decided to do. We talked about this last year. I think we talked about it, Lefko. We talked about the thought process five years ago, a couple of years ago, is go find me a 10-year quarterback, a franchise guy. But now mm-hmm. it may be like the thought process of teams like the New England Patriots, as well as Baltimore yeah. Ravens, where they're going to run their quarterback a little bit more. And we're not talking about 10 years. Maybe we're only talking about five or six, but they're going to be a good five or six years. And hopefully you can win a, win a championship in, in that time. I, I think the thing with Cam is, is that when you really look around the NFL, because so many teams have invested in first round quarterbacks these last few years, the GM knows that if they bring in Cam, He's going to do what he did in New England, which is completely went over the team in like yeah. two weeks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nobody works harder. Nobody has more personality. And so the thing is, is do you bring him into the Jets and completely railroad Sam Darnold? No, you don't do that. You don't do that to Daniel Jones. If you think Dwayne Haskins got something, you don't do it to him. You're not doing it to Baker. You know, uh, I think the teams that you have to look at that, like the Saints, that, that's to me what's so interesting is if they were thinking about life after Drew Brees, because remember, Drew Brees was like really thinking about going on to like NBC. Like if that was a real thing, like maybe they go, but it's, it's tough. You're not going to do it to Drew Locke. I think that the team that really should have gone after Cam Newton is the team that the Patriots beat on, beat, Patriots beat on Sunday, and that's the Las Vegas Raiders. If you had enough sense to want to go after Marcus Mariota, in hopes that Marcus Mariota would challenge Derek Carr, then go for the real totally. article. Don't go for don't go for the first the, the first pick or the, the second pick that never turned into like the real dual threat option. Go for the guy that was the MVP. And is there a cooler jersey and, and go than for a Cam Las Newton. Vegas Cam Newton number one jersey? Is that the coolest jersey in NFL yeah, you history? Know what? Cool. I, no, it's a New England Patriots Cam Newton jersey. That, I'm telling you, that flying Elvis on Cam Newton's head with the hair coming out the back, with how big he is, because the Patriots jerseys make you look big, too. I think he looks like Captain America. 
And I've been saying this for a long time that it's about time that people realize that Cam Newton is not the bad guy. Cam Newton is the hero. Cam Newton, if there were fans in the stands, would be giving them footballs. Cam Newton is the one that gives to charity. Cam Newton is the one that engages with fans. Cam Newton is the one that makes football cool, and he's the one that little kids want to look up to. But for some reason, we always paint Cam Newton as the bad guy. And I'm just telling you that Cap Cam Newton is Captain America, and he is in the red, white, and blue, and he is with Bill Belichick. And so I think Cam Newton is a superhero. He, we've already said he's Superman. Now I think he's Captain America. Yeah. Can I ask you a question, Westbrook, about this? Because this sounds, this is something that we read all the time. And I have no idea if it's true because I'm not in NFL locker rooms. But we hear about this all the time that the Packers, they draft Jordan Love. That's going to drive Aaron Rodgers crazy. Or, you know, the, some team has a, a Drew Locke or a Sam Darnold. Mm. They bring in, uh, you know, uh, some, some good backup quarterback, whether it's Josh McCown or somebody even more exciting. Does that, like, really get under their skin? We have no idea, but we hear about it, that it could, like, really shake their confidence have you seen that before? Because we had Michael Vick on this podcast. He talked about how he could have been a backup for many more years, but teams didn't want to sign yes, him he because he'd be doing all these fancy, cool things in practice. And the team would be like, oh, look at Michael Vick. We got to get him out there. And someone like, you know, Big Ben would be looking at him like, I don't want my backup being that talented. Is that is that real? Is that true? Well, I, I think Lefko mentioned something I think probably plays into it a little bit as well. Michael Vick has the ability to win over people in the locker room the same way with Cam. Just in because 10 they're just seconds. Their, their charismatic type of personalities. And a lot of these younger guys that began playing Madden back in the day, they were playing as Cam Newton. They were playing as Michael sure. Vick. They were playing as the guy that they've always looked up to. And so I think that there is something to it. Confident quarterbacks – Confident quarterbacks understand who they are, who they mean to their organization, and they have the ability to go out there and perform. And they also have the ability to say, Jameis Winston, and this is not a, a fair comparison of what you're saying, but you have the ability of Drew Brees to say, I'm here, I'm going to be the starter until I leave, but Jameis Winston, let me help you, let me take you underneath my wing. There are other quarterbacks that have done it before, but I think to your point, when you have a quarterback like um, – uh, you know, a, a guy that's struggling, a guy that's not getting it done, then at that point you bring in a guy like Cam, you bring in a guy like Michael Vick. Now there's some questions of who's going to be a starter. If there's no question of who's going to be a starter, then 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 you can bring a guy in like that. If there's ever any question, you can never bring a guy in like that because a locker room is all automatically going to be split. I think, you know what, that's – it's almost beautiful that the split of Brady and Belichick – we, we get to see them each individually succeed and fail on their own, which I think is cool. But I also think that that split, when it happened, extended Cam Newton's career. And I really worry that if that didn't happen, would Cam Newton be in the NFL? Because we see right now that it's, it's not even a discussion that he is a top 10 top five player right now at the position just in terms of what he's capable of. And I, I think it, there's something beautiful about Brady going somewhere else and in comes Cam Newton and it resurrected his career. That would have really sucked if he didn't get Well, that. let me ask you this. What coordinator, what team would have been willing to dump everything that they were doing before? Because we're not, we hadn't seen any of this stuff with the Patriots at all. Dump all the offensive stuff, take all it up and throw it in the trash, and then say new quarterback that we didn't even name. That's to the, be the problem, starter. man. There's only a few good teams in the NFL. Well, that's the that's the Bill and, Belichick and, and I. Josh I think that there's been some some really talented players 
that never got to play for those franchises. And I think that it's not always about, you know, it's, it's situational, you know, like I, I look a little bit, this is a weird one. I look at Mahomes and Deshaun Watson and Mahomes. I go, this is the supremely talented quarterback that is in the perfect situation. Coach, weapons, offensive line, franchise. I look at Deshaun Watson and I go, outgoing talent, not as good limited coach, franchise in disarray. And I, and I go, look at how their careers are starting to split. And I, I, I think it's interesting that Cam Newton, it seemed like it was going down this path and now is on this track to who knows. You know, Cam Newton is, is incredible. But uh, I'm also wondering, this is a random aside, if here we were looking at those two quarterbacks from the 2017 class, the 2018 class, the two quarterbacks are Lamar and Josh Allen. And it, it's almost like Josh Allen is the Deshaun Watson to Lamar's Mahomes, mm-hmm. if that makes mm-hmm. any sense in that Well, you get drafted to the right situation. That, that's the key. I mean, you can you – But I think Josh Allen – I think Josh Allen and Lamar are both in great situations. Are they? Great. Yeah, I, I agree. Oh, I, yeah. I, I love Sean McDermott. I think they're going to need some Sean McDermott, the fact that they said he's going to enter his prime right now, forget drafting a wide receiver, mm-hmm. let's get Stephon Diggs, nine deep on the offensive line, two workhouse running backs. And I think Brian Dayball right now needs to be in the discussion as a top six OC in the NFL. They're playing really well. Brian, Day- Brian Dayball is up there, man. That Buffalo offense spread out LA and did whatever they wanted to. Yeah. Play well. I mean, you have a quarterback doing what he's able to do. I mean, it's just hard to do it. I have one last thing, and then I, I, we can wrap soon. It's I saw something uh, during the Denver-Tampa Bay game that just brought me a lot of joy. Do you remember when Tyler Hansborough turned, got turned around and he saw Ron Artest and, like, instantly cowered down? I saw the opposite of that this weekend. Mike Evans caught a touchdown, and he was – to the empty stadium, had his arms spread out, was celebrating, and he got hugged from behind. And he stopped, and there seemed like there was shock on his face, and he turned around, and it was Tom Brady. Yep, yep. What must that be like to be Mike Evans? To be like, I just caught a touchdown, and then you feel someone hugging, and they're like, way to go, baby. And you turn around, and it's Tom Brady. Tom Brady is hugging you. And you're sitting there probably going, I just caught two touchdowns. I can't remember the last time I've had two easier touchdowns in my entire career. And it's the greatest quarterback to ever play. I just feel like if you're Mike Evans right now, you got to be sitting there in the cold tub today just being like, man, this is incredible. Like, I just I feel like that, was, that must have been felt so good. Well, especially from where they started at two weeks ago, where they're saying we, we have bad communication. I mean, it- week one is bullshit. Oh. It's Bullshit, Westbrook. Well, it gives you it gives you a, a a roadmap of saying we started here and now we're a total different place where Tom is not you know getting cussed out by Bruce Arians in the doggone press conference. That that's a big difference. Yes. That's a big thing. But I, I think that feeling. One of the things that Mike Evans said the entire time was that I can't wait to play with Tom Brady. It's going to elevate all of our games, and it certainly has. Mike us. Evans looks like. I mean, he was always good, but you always wondered how good is he because of the quarterback play. Now he looks like one of the top three, four receivers in the league. I think there's that. And I also think that there was five points scored in the second half of that game. People that bet the under barely hit it. The Bucks defense is for real. 
And I think that they are, you know, I think Shaquille Barrett had two sacks, one of them for a safety. Mm -hmm. I think that they're really deep. I think that we're just seeing that Carolina's offense, which spread out the Chargers a bunch yesterday, Teddy Bridgewater is a legitimate winner. And I think that that lineup of DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, Robbie Anderson has been awesome. Uh, And Mike David, like that, that Joe Brady, Matt Rule, like what they're doing in Carolina, like they're just spreading teams out and dinking and dying. And you can't do it's just seven on seven. Yeah. And so when I look at the Bucks, like I, I took away yesterday and I went, the Bucks defense and the Colts defense are exactly what I thought they were. They are special. They are special defenses. You know what? The one thing that I liked about Teddy is that he's not going to just throw the ball to the other team a bunch of times, but he's going to be accurate. And, he, and the big knock on him has always been he doesn't, he doesn't throw the ball deep down the field, but I mean, he's going to connect on the ball. This is what I was wondering. And this is totally different. I just popped in my mind last night. We, I think we talked about it. I think the, the, the longest pass that Drew Brees connected on last night was 13 yards. There was points where, I mean, he must have he hit, I don't know, six or seven check downs in a row. And in my mind, I'm thinking, he can't throw the ball past a check down. I mean, he can only throw the yep. ball 13 yards. And then they want to go deep, they bring, in, they bring in Taysom Hill. I'm saying in my mind, if I'm, if I'm playing the dog going Saints, I mean, I'm crowding the short area. If, if, if they want to beat me deep, then let Drew try to throw it. Let's see if I can get an interception. But I, I'm crowding this the shallow crosser area. I'm not going to allow them to dink and duck me down like that. If, I, if I'm looking at my season-long bets, the, the uh, Dallas winning the East is a, is a win for me. I could feel already. I feel really good about the Colts. The one that I am – the one I would like to take back immediately is the Saints. And I, I gave them an extra year. And, and I clearly shouldn't have because I don't know what happened with Lattimore – and that defense, I don't – because that's what I thought was going to carry them. Mm-hmm. And it – and Michael Thomas can't be that important. Like, I guess he can, but, like, Drew Brees just doesn't have it. No. The defense it, looked good not the first week of the season, but, I mean, they, they've kind of fallen off in the last couple. But that was that was also the Bucks just kind of figuring that's themselves true. out. Yeah, that, that offense – And now it's it's back-to-back weeks of getting pushed around yeah. and, and a running game getting to do whatever they want and guys getting – Burn deep, yep. uh, like burn deep, like our guy Alan Lazard, looking like a true, true number two wide receiver. Like you look at Green Bay right now when Devontae Adams comes back with Alan Lazard, like they are a real. Aaron Rodgers looks great, but the Saints, they must need the Superdome to be going crazy. You know, like. That that is a huge difference for that team. It huge has to. That's a huge advantage. Teams aren't able to hear. I think I'm thinking about teams. That Saints pass rush ain't, ain't getting ain't there. The you same. know what I mean? It was in the dome. It ain't the same. It, it you played there. Oh yeah, one of the lousiest places that I've ever played. Obviously, Kansas this City. This is you're the perfect guy to talk to. Yeah. You guys took all the momentum out of the Superdome. Sheldon Brown destroys mm-hmm. Reggie Bush on the first play, but when it reaches its peak. How hard is it to play in the Superdome with the fans like that? And what is it? How much easier do you think it has to be when it's quiet? Well, it, it's so much easier. I mean, it just you can hear your thoughts. And this is the crazy thing. So when we used to practice, we used to practice with the noise in there uh, in our bubble. And we used to have it so loud that you can't, you can barely hear the quarterback say the play, but you can't think, you can't digest things. And that's what the that's exactly what it was in the Superdome. You walk out there, 
It's second down, third down. People are going absolutely crazy. You don't have the time to think. So if things go wrong, now if mm. things go right, then you're okay, no problems. But if things go wrong, you need to adjust. We need to audible to a different play. At that point, you're just in trouble. They don't have that same advantage anymore. Uh, and now it's completely gone. Yep. Because think about it. What Drew Brees and them did for years was just execute better under pressure moments. That's right. Because for them, like they had the hand signals and he's bending down and now everybody can talk to each other and think. Well, well think about it yesterday. We saw it a bunch. We saw the, uh, the usually it would have been the silent count for the Green Bay Packers, but it was Aaron, Aaron Rodgers. is looking comfortable as hell. Aaron Rodgers taking his helmet off and just going like, man, nice day of work out there, fellas. He, like he's out there combing his yeah, hair. He had that look. You know that look that Aaron has, that, that, that little smile. He's like, yep, yep, I'm still that guy. Yes. He had that look. That this this feels like a 13 and 3, 14 and it 2 was, type of team. It was something that I said preseason that I should have listened to myself about. It's it's the quiet gym leader guys. Mm-hmm. They're killing it mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. It's the Russell Wilson era. They could do whatever they want. It's like it's like if you if you were having an interscribed scrimmage with no music and a guy just got to get out there and look at the defense, like you, the defense doesn't have a chance. Yep. Just all you Now the rules the way they are. That's it. All it, and, and Aaron Rodgers, we talk about accuracy with Carson Wentz. We talk about pinpoint passing with Drew Brees, that type of thing. He has the ability to make all the throws, but now he has confidence in his receivers. And, wow. and I'm not sure how he got it because obviously the offseason was kind of fragmented, but now he believes in a Lazard. He believes in all these different guys that he can throw the ball to. It's been pretty cool to watch because when he believes it, you know he has an arm talent to get it there. He has a confidence that he can make every throw. And no again, no Aaron doubt. Jones is, is a big-time piece of this offense because he keeps defenses off balance. And people don't realize it as much because he's not this great, you know, running. he's not putting right. up yards every, every, every game. But he keeps defenses off balance where they have to respect it just enough that that safety takes one step. And that's just enough for Aaron Rodgers to complete any pass that he wants to. We talk about rookie quarterbacks – And then when they make the jump to their second year, the insane amount of growth that happens. In my opinion, that's also what's happening in Green Bay in the second year of Aaron Rodgers with Matt LaFleur. The second year is when it goes down. Things are more comfortable. Things make sense. That offense, that flow right now is epic. I'm just worried about the Packers defense. Because what I see right now is I see the Packers, Aaron Rodgers executing, defense is a sieve. Giving it up. I look at Russell Wilson, offense is executing, defense is a sieve. Dak executing, defense is a sieve. And now I'm just sitting there, I'm going, don't let the Niners hang around. Don't let that motherfucking Niners team just sneak out some wins and everybody comes back healthy and Richard Sherman comes. But like, I'm like, but I don't, I don't know who the best team is in the NFC. I'm going to tell you right now, the, the way that the Niners played yesterday. Might be the Bucs, bro. They're not, but the way that the Niners play, yes, it's not the Bucks. <laughs> You're on this Tom Brady thing right now for whatever reason, but the, just just think about because I because I, I look at Antoine Winfield Jr. and Indomitian Sue and uh, their linebacking yeah, core yeah. Uh, and 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 their JPP and I and Shaquille Barrett and I go if the Tom Brady, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Gronk, OJ Howard, Leonard Fournette offense gets there. They are the ones with the defense that I think can be the best. I do not have faith in the Seahawks defense getting better. I do. I think that Packers are middle of the road. Like I think they're the ones that could have the best defense. That's why. Well, here's a question about the Bucks: is is there any regression throughout the season 
from Tom Brady, 43-year-old Tom Brady. Is there any regression? Does he, does he stay the Straight same? progression. Straight progression. I don't know. He's going to get better, I think, as the season we goes on. Seen Let's ask many- David Ingber. David Ingber, do you think Tom Brady gets better as the season goes on or gets I worse? I think he doesn't have to play as many cold-weather games, and I think that was part of his calculation when he went down to Florida, which was a smart move for a 43-year-old guy who might have a creaky back. I'm going to tell Loose you, joints, Westbrook. Gonna, loose I'm joints. I'm tell you right now, as you age, it does not get easier to play football. As you take more and more hits, it does not get easier in week 10. Yeah, but that's 11. a running back. What about a quarterback? Same thing, brother. Same thing. You still get hit as a quarterback. Tom Brady didn't go through that game and not get hit. Not every time. I'm Look, I'm approaching my late 30s, and my ping pong game is as strong as ever, so I don't know what to tell you. What about great look, point. Look, look at Drew Brees. He's a great example. He's faded off in seasons. Towards the end? Yeah, but like if I was standing next to Tom, like I also think that Tom Brady was born with better genetics to last this long. Maybe, maybe. Like Tom Brady is like six foot four, six foot five with a great frame, and Drew Brees looks like an executive at Ultra. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, we'll we'll see. But I want to tell you about the forty. Hey, are the numbers up? Did you did you <laughs> the numbers? Drew, uh, come on. Did you first of all? Did you see Drew? He's he's getting that little horseshoe, that old man horseshoe here too. So he looks a little bit older. That's than what him. I'm saying. Drew Brees may have like yeah. I mean, he's, he's, I don't know, well, man. He, everyone ages differently, but the 49ers. This is what I wanted to say. Drew Brees has a look in his eyes of oh shit. Like he looks like an old person that's lost. He just can't get the ball down the field. His his key, he's got nothing. He's sitting there and he's going nothing's working. The thing for Drew early in his career was getting the ball up early so that he can make the ball fly. It doesn't have to go as far. He just got it up early. He anticipated guys being open. I'm not sure that he still has that same anticipation. Definitely. This is my dream arm. I want to end with a dream that I want to happen. Imagine this. There it is. The NFC championship game. Saints win a, a duel with the Seahawks, 42 to 40 after a last field goal by the kicker on the Saints, whose name I forget. Picture that. Picture Will Lutz. He knocks it through. At the post-game press conference, after throwing for four touchdowns and sneaking for one more, the victorious Saints quarterback comes to the podium, and he grabs the microphone, and he says, God bless LASIK. <laughs> Jameis Winston throws for four touchdowns and a QB sneak after this rebirth. We're seeing it everywhere. There's Cam Newton coming back like it's nothing. Josh Allen. Rah. What if Jameis Winston comes back with laser vision? And that's what I'm hoping for for the Saints right now. LASIK, that's my dream. LASIK doesn't. Fix your decision making. That's what LASIK does not fix. It may, may fix your eyes. Doesn't fix listen. That's system. what I'm hoping for for the Eagles. That Carson Wentz comes out next week and goes, "Hey, he's got to miss a few weeks to get LASIK." I go, "I'll take the excuse right now." Need something. I'll take it. Uh, fun as always, Westbrook. Um, do you know who Sub Zero is? No, no, no. I I think I do. He freezes people, right? Yeah. He also freezes the ground okay. and then you slip around on it. That was a great move too. Nice. Love that. I knew that. See? It's in essence just a Mortal Kombat banana peel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about Raiden? No, no clue. He had the big hat and he could make lightning, lightning yeah. bolts. No, no. Mm-mm. Were you into X-Men? No. No. Not Wolverine? Enough. 
Wolverine only because of Dawkins, not because of the, the show or the movie, whatever that is. No. My wife whatever loves X-Men, though. Is. She's into the sci-fi. I'm not. No. Because she's probably like, how old is your wife? She's, she's around my she's age? your age. That's my point. Yes. Which means that like after school, she would come home to the X-Men theme song, which was... See, this is the thing. And it would, it would be the greatest show ever. Storm. I bet you she loves Storm. I was born in Right the after 70s. the podcast, go to her and be like, did you like Storm? I'm a 70s baby. You're an 80s kid. 80s kids are different. So what are your th- so what are your things? Tecmo Bowl no, and and like ice Tecmo flavored Bowl. ice cubes. I did like Tecmo Bowl. Did you pour orange juice into the freezer? <laughs> was that your big big win? <laughs> no, we were, we were outside. We weren't inside. We were outside. We used our physical ability. Guys, outside. we were outside too. No, I, played were I played stickball. I played stickball. I played street hockey. Street Come on. Who were you raised at? I played kick the can. Kick the can. I played flashlight tag. Don't question my childhood. These are all things that you've never played that you've heard other people talk about. Bullshit. I lived in a cul-de-sac. We were getting it on. I was fucking people up in flashlight tag. <laughs> my God. What did you watch on TV as a kid after school? Um, like I watched Fresh Prince of Bel-Air or Saved by the Bell. Yeah. Yeah. I was a little bit older at that point. Yeah. What about uh, Different Strokes? Remember that? Um, the Cosby show back, back in the day, different world, all those types of shows, those types of shows. When, when you were a baby, you didn't, you, you know, I've been watching a lot. You know what I'm watching a lot lately? Girlfriends on Netflix. You know what? I just started watching on Netflix. Uh, Shit's Creek. So did I. Dying. It's okay. Great show. Hilarious. Ingber, do you love it? Hilarious. Hilarious. Okay. We are officially going too long. Love everybody for Brian Westbrook. The Rocket Man. Four if your team's deciding to tank for the number one pick, I recommend the hashtag Abhorrence for Lawrence. <laughs> nice. I love that. I love that. And I will leave you with this. If you'd like to improve the Jets, sell the team to Gary Vaynerchuk. Ooh, wow. I think it'll work. Wow. I think it'll work. How about that? See if it happens. See you guys. Peace. <laughs>